Hi, you're listening to my mom, Kat Lee, on the Inspired to Action podcast. Hey, can I listen to it? Hey, my name is Kat Lee, and I want to welcome you to the Inspired to Action podcast. I hope this show is the pep talk that you need as a mom, a reminder that what you do every day is life-changing, and it matters more deeply than you could ever imagine. Out of all the women in the world, God chose you to be the mother of your children because you are special and amazing and he has called you and he will equip you. So thank you for serving your family, for loving your children fearlessly and for fighting to be a great mom. This episode is for you. Let's jump right in. Hey, this is Kat Lee, and you're listening to episode 54 of the Inspired to Action podcast. And today I'm chatting with Kristen Welch. I really admire this girl, woman, lady. What do you say? I'm at that age where I guess I have to call everyone women, but I'm used to always calling them girl. I'm getting old, y'all. But Kristen isn't afraid of aging. She's going to straight up share her age in the beginning of our interview. And I don't think that's ever been done before. This woman is honest and real, and I love it. She vlogs at wearethatfamily.com, and she also can, you can also find what she does at mercyhousekenya.org. And I heard her speak at the Declare conference back in August, and we had a lot of amazing speakers at Declare. But what stood out to me about Kristen is that she spoke louder with her life and her actions than she even did with her words. And she has a way with words. She's written books. She's written blogs. But her life is what stands out and speaks the loudest to me. And you're just going to love what she has to say. She has an incredible story. And even more so, she just has some good practical wisdom and encouragement for us on how we can actually impact the world just right where we are, in the middle of the good old USA or wherever it is that you live, that you can have an impact on people who need it wherever you are and whatever time you have in your life or whatever resources you have, you can make a difference right where you are. We'll also talk a little bit about entitlement with our kids and living intentionally. And speaking of being intentional, if you are wanting to be intentional with your health, I wanted to let you know that last week's guests, Stephanie Langford and Aaron Odom, they launched their Healthy Living Bundle, I think it was yesterday. And it's this bundle that's packed with ebooks and courses and principles just to help you live a healthy life. So if you want to check that out, you can head over to inspiredtoaction.com forward slash bundle. Now, before we get started with Kristen, I also wanted to just say thanks really quick to Elisa Leilav for leaving a really sweet review on iTunes. She says, I just found this podcast recently and find it's changing my perspective as a mom. Her interviews are inspiring and practical, and the wisdom shared from her and other moms is so encouraging. I'm so grateful to have found this resource and inspiration to act and be a better person and mom. So shout out to you. I don't know how to say your name. Allie Clay Lav. So maybe your name is Allie, I'm guessing. It's so hard to tell with those nickname things on iTunes. But I just want to say, you know, thanks to you, not just for leaving that comment, but I love how you said um, you found it to be a, a resource and inspiration, not just to encourage you, but to act and be a better person and a better mom. So I'm proud of you for taking action and actually living out the things that you're learning and hearing on this podcast. 
And every time you guys leave ratings and reviews, it gets this podcast out to more people and more moms who need encouragement and need wisdom. And I'm doing my best to bring you some great guests. I have some really spectacular ones lined up for this fall. So I can't wait to bring those to you. And speaking of spectacular guests, let's get in, get on with our chat with Kristen Welch. Here we go. Hey, Kristen, thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you. I'm really glad to be here, Kat. I am really excited to talk to you. You have inspired me a lot. I just love where blogging has taken you in your journey of life, in your journey of blogging, and your journey of motherhood as well. So before we get too far into it, I would love it if you just tell everybody a little bit about yourself and your motherhood journey. Sure. Um, well, I'm 41. I'm still able to to say how old I am. <laughs> I think that may the, might be the first time a guest has ever just started off with their age. So this just is gonna, a clue to everybody. It's how awesome Kristen is. Yes, just rip that Band-Aid off I'm, <laughs> for being um, bluntly honest and uh, transparent. So I'm middle-aged and I have three children. Uh, my oldest is 14. I just did high school orientation with her last week, so I'm still in a panic mode about that. Wow. I have a son who is, my only son, is in the middle of two girls. He's uh, He'll be 12 in a couple of weeks. And then we have a seven-year-old who's our little caboose. Oh. And uh, I have two strong-willed and one laid-back kid. And so it's a fun dynamic in my home. And uh, I, let's see, I've been married 20 years at Christmas. This Christmas, I'll have been married 20 years. So that's exciting, that uh, milestone. Were you and, married on Christmas Day? No, a uh, week before Christmas. Okay, okay. So, um, and I've been blogging for, it'll be eight years this year. Oh. So I've been online for a while, and it's been an incredible, amazing, humbling journey um, where God has uh, taken me and um, I, I love being a mom. I feel like it's my number one priority. I wear a lot of hats during the week, but I'm still a car line, lunch packing, uh, uh, lesson attending, um, recital going mother. And that my week is very busy with those activities, just like most moms. Um, and my kids, my family, my home is my number one priority. And I love writing about raising intentional, an intentional family that's leaving an impact on our world. Um, that's what we're hoping to do with our, our lives here. Well, I know you've certainly, certainly done it for me. And I, I, I don't think I found you eight years ago, but I found you a long time ago. And I mean, as far as reading, <laughs> reading your blog, not walking around and stumbling upon Kristen somewhere. Um, and it's been so powerful to see your journey and your transformation and just you being a woman, just doing the next thing that God calls you to. And probably with some fear, but just bravely going ahead and doing it anyway. And so I'd love to know, you started an organization called Mercy House Kenya. Tell me how that process started. Yes. So a little more than four years ago, I was uh, just plugging away at my life and um, saying yes to what was in front of me. Um, 
mostly focused on what was happening in my inside my four walls, not so much on anything outside of that. And I think I don't think there's, you know, that's a sinful action. Um, But I do think that we have to look up and uh, look out. I think that's an important part of intentional living. But four years ago, just doing my thing and saying my yeses and Um, I was invited by Compassion International in 2010 to go on one of their blogging trips to Kenya, Africa. And it was on that trip that my yes took me into, um, took me on a journey I I didn't expect and that terrified me. Um, I always kind of cringe when people call me brave. I'm Mm -hmm. still, um, mostly frightened of what I've said yes to um, on, a, on a regular basis. Um, but I think that when God gives us a dream that's bigger than we are, I think that trepidation and inadequacy and those fears are normal because it, it makes us depend on, on God. Mm-hmm. Um, I like to say I'm desperate for Jesus on a regular basis because I can't do what He's asked me to do without His help. And so on that trip, um, I just was completely wrecked. I was a, just a, a regular mom and living the American dream and hoping to move out of our starter home and, you know, mm-hmm. stuffing money in college funds and just doing what we often do in our culture. And um, I loved God, but I wasn't always obedient to do whatever He told me. And so I was full of faith, but not really full of action. And so this trip turned my life upside down. And when I returned, um, I was just a completely different person. My husband and kids met me at the airport with gifts and flowers, and I couldn't open the presents. And my husband said, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh, you might be a different person. And uh, so it took a few months for us to decide what God was asking us to do. We knew that there was a response to what I had seen and experienced and witnessed. And our whole, my whole family really, through the words and the pictures, journeyed with me. And we all knew God was birthing something. And it's a long story, but through the process of saying yes, um, that birthing looks like Mercy House Kenya. It's a maternity home in Nairobi that uh, brings in girls living in extreme poverty who've gotten pregnant through rape or prostitution for food. Very serious and sad stories. Um, And then Mercy House becomes their home. And we're an entirely indigenous operation. There's no American presence in Kenya. It's really our model and our belief to empower the local people to do what they're very capable of doing, but often they don't have the funds to do so. Um, So our family and the people here in America raise money and awareness. And uh, we've had over a dozen babies born and um, had over a dozen residents. We just paid cash for our second home in Kenya. Um, So the entire home is funded by Moms Who Read My Blog. Last year we raised $500,000. And so it's um, it's been an amazing amazing journey of where a small yes, and it, it wasn't only my yes, it was so many people who said yes with me, um, where God is taking us, taken us the last few years. So how do you, I mean, that, that sounds like a, a big jump, a big transition from 
average American American dream following mom mm-hmm. to starting an entire organization in another country. What were the yeses that you had to say along the way to make that happen? Well, were, the, were there small yeah. steps along the way? Well, I'm a firm believer that it's in the small yeses, the small daily faithful dishwashing, laundry, folding, yeses. That's where we find God, in the middle of our mess and our mundane. And I used to think that we had to, I mean, I grew up wanting to change the world. That was my goal as a high schooler. I wanted to leave an impact. Um, But life happened, and through the course of mistakes and, um, you know, the mess of life, I thought, well, I have to clean everything up first. I have to arrive. I have to do something to clean this up before God can use me. And, you know, now I really understand a clearer picture that God wants us to say yes exactly where we are today to not necessarily starting a nonprofit, but to the yes that's before us. And I never wanted to start a nonprofit. I still today, right now, on May, on April uh, whatever today is, May 1st, I still um, am a reluctant nonprofit founder. Um, I didn't know that I was saying yes to that. I saw a need and I was compelled to do what God told me, and that was to help right where I was do what I can do. I didn't know what it would turn into. And I think that God protects us in a lot of ways from seeing into the future because we probably wouldn't say yes. It's too scary. It's too big. It's too intimidating. And there have been many, many nights, many days that I have cried out to God and asked Him to um, to take this burden from me because it, it's so heavy. Um, but I believe with all of my heart that when we say yes, we inspire others to say yes with us. And I'm a living proof of that. I feel like my life, my family is a testimony that God can use anyone to do anything. And He doesn't wait for us to have it all together, to have a clean house or to, for our laundry to be completed. He wants us today exactly right where we are. And I can look back on my life that seemed like such a mess. And there are definitely instances it was a big giant mess, and I can see God's hand leading me um, in preparation for what He was going to ask us to do. And so, it is, you know, when you hear the beginning and the end, it sounds like, "Wow, this person must be extraordinary," or "This is miraculous." But I think it's the middle, the middle that we have to understand. And that's why I was so compelled to write my my book that is coming out because I wanted people to know the middle story. Mm -hmm. I wanted them to know just how regular we are. And so um, because my personality is to say it like it is, it's a very raw and real journal of those years in between of, of saying yes. Did you struggle at any point? So when you got back from the compassion trip, Mm -hmm. was it, I mean, you said your family felt like they journeyed along, but but they weren't there. Was right. there ever a disconnect between the depth of emotion that you had and the reality of how their lives were going to change for them? Um, I think that 
a lot of a lot of women have asked me how I got my husband on board, you know, because he said yes also. This wasn't you don't venture out and start something like this on your own. You know, if there was ever a moment my husband said, "No, this is not what's going to happen." I wouldn't have done it. But I think again for, to get the whole picture, um I was the decor <laughs> a hoarder in the Welch family and um, really the person that was struggling with where God was already leading my husband before I ever said yes to that trip. Um, he was just, you know, asking scary questions. You know, do we need this much money in our savings account? There are so many people who have nothing. And what if God asks us to give away this? And what if um, God wants us to be radical and he had been listening to David Platt's sermons that eventually became the book Radical years and years ago, and he was terrifying me. And I was very hesitant to follow him. Um, and so I believe God took me to Africa so that I could get on the same page with my husband. So when I stepped off that plane, and I was a different person, I think my husband was relieved. I think he was like, yes, now we're going to respond. You know, what What does God want us to do? And so he's kind of the quiet hero of the story because he doesn't have an online presence, but he is uh, faithful to what God's asked him to do, and he gives more than I do. He's very generous with his time and his resources, and um, he leads our family very well. Um, and, and to the women, the moms who are listening, and maybe their husband isn't on the same page. Maybe he's not leading their family. I think we just have to be faithful to what God has given us. You know, so many times we wonder, just where do we start? Mm-hmm. It's so hard to know where to start. And I'm convinced that we start right where we are. It's a good place to be, even if it's hard and messy. It's the place God has us because He directs our paths. And even when we mess up and we make mistakes, you know, our lives are a, a tapestry. On the back of that, you flip that tapestry over and it is a mess. It's a tangle of threads that don't create anything. It doesn't look like a picture. But when we flip it over, there's a beautiful picture there that's being made. And I think that's how we live our lives, that we wonder, God, why do you have me on this road? Why? Do we have this diagnosis or why are we struggling here financially? I think God uses all of those broken pieces to create a new picture and and to lead our lives. And and we're testimony to that, that um, that's where God has led us. And I think that uh, my family did not know. I mean, we did not know that four years later we would be running a nonprofit that has completely changed the direction of our lives. We did not know that um, because I don't know if we would have said yes if we had known that. But standing here today leading this nonprofit and doing what God has asked us, we wouldn't trade it for all the money in the world. We wouldn't trade it for anything because it's made us more intentional, more compassionate, more generous. It's we we understand that our daily yes matters and um it's made us want to keep saying yes. I love that. Uh, and you know, I'm curious to know what 
you went on a trip to compassion, uh, on a trip with compassion to Kenya. What about the mom that can't do that, that doesn't have the opportunity to see real need, doesn't have the opportunity to see what an impact our, you know, our fund money could really mm-hmm. have on the lives of people on the other side of the world? How can, how can, and let's even say that they don't have a husband that is on board um, and they have kids that have, you know, really don't see outside of their own town. Right. How can they, but they have this stirring in them. How can they start right now, right where they are? I think the, the first thing that we can do is to look up and look around us. Um, it's so interesting what's happened in my life since I, um, just since January of this year, um, it, when you write a book about saying yes to God <laughs> and about obedience, it's funny how God keeps asking you to say yes. And um, our family just said yes to refugees who have been relocated to our city in Houston. Um, there's 50,000 refugees. They're right here where we live. And, you know, there's no blog. There's no um um, budget. We're just saying yes, because there is a need right here in our city. And I think that um, God has placed every family where they are for a reason. It's just no accident that God used a family to create the, he created the world with a family. And then he used a family through Mary and Joseph to redeem the world. And your family today, as unique and, and different as every family is, there is a divine purpose for your family. And you don't have to go to Africa. I mean, there have been many instances since January where I've told my husband, I didn't even need to go to Africa. I could have gone 45 minutes in my own city because every time I walk into the room, where there are refugee women that we're helping to learn skills and we're starting discovery Bible studies and there's six languages in the room and um, a lot of different religions, Buddhism and Hinduism. Um, It's a global picture right there in my city. I didn't need to fly across. I mean, that was God's plan for me and I'm very grateful, but there is an opportunity right where you are it's not going to look like my opportunity. It's not going to be exactly the same. But God has a specific purpose for every family. I'm just convinced of it because it's through that opportunity and saying yes that so many of the things as parents we long to see changed or different in our kids, things we want for our kids, this is the key. It's changing their perspective. It's giving them a global perspective and helping them understand and realize the way that you live right now, the way that we live where, you know, uh, our kids are comparing ourselves to other kids in their school or their grade or their neighborhood or their homeschool co-op and so-and-so has this electronic and mm-hmm. I want this name brand jeans and this $100 pair of tennis shoes. When we live right there and we compare ourselves to just our tiny little bubble, it, it just perpetuates entitlement. But when we lift off those blinders and we compare ourselves to how the rest of the world lives, I always tell my kids, if you're going to compare yourself to someone who has more than you, then you must compare yourself to someone who has less than you. Because that's when gratitude happens. Mm -hmm. That's when we realize, oh, 
You know, and that's why we've taken our kids with us to Kenya. They've been in the homes of our compassion kids. They've held babies who would have died without Mercy House because we want them to have that reference point. Um, We've taken them down to serve refugees right here in our city because we need to remember that the way that we choose to live is really opportunity in so many ways. And many people all over the world don't have that luxury of of choice. They just survive. And so I think that so many of the things I've longed for as a mother, I have found in the last four years through service, mm-hmm. longed for in teaching my kids and wanting them to um, have this perspective change and, um, you know, living where I know they're going to grow up and love God and love others mm-hmm. and put themselves third. We have found the key to that in in serving others, in not focusing so much on our homes and creating this child-centered reality, but having a God-centered home that forces us to look up and look out. And I think that there are opportunities all around us. It could be, we had a neighbor uh, last year who lost her baby and there's opportunity there to minister. We have another neighbor who you know, is a mission field um, for us to to reach out to. And so right where we are, and sometimes it's in our own homes. I know as a mom, sometimes my greatest ministry is, you know, closing my computer and turning off the um, the distractions and listening to my child. And um, that's ministry to my, my daughter, or it's... Um, you know, curling in, in bed with my teenager and ignoring the room that is screaming to be cleaned up <laughs> and just listening to her and walking with her through her pain or, or whatever her circumstances. And so sometimes our yes is just so in our face, it's right there. And then sometimes it's across the ocean, but I think they're all connected. And I think that we just have to say it. We can't mm-hmm. wait to say it. And once we start that habit of saying yes, more things oh. come our way and it just invites more. <laughs> yes. My husband actually has cautioned me. <laughs> He's like, uh, let's let's not say yes anymore. But I, I find that I spent so much of my faith life, years and years and years and years, doing every Bethmore Bible study. And those things are wonderful, you know, going to women's conferences and reading every Christian book out there and just stuffing myself full of this whole Christian culture. But I was lacking obedience. Hmm. I wasn't doing whatever God told me. I would talk myself out of it. I would, and I, I tell my husband, you know, when he's like, did God tell you, you know, if I say I need to say yes to this, like the refugees, he was like, he understands mm-hmm. that if I say, yes, God is wanting me to do this. And he's like, okay, then let's do it. When we're, I think when we're walking in obedience and saying yes to God, um, it doesn't leave a lot of room for us to say yes to things that don't matter. You know, I don't have as much time to do some of the temporary things that I spent so much time and money on because saying yes to God takes up a lot of that space. But the great thing is I don't feel empty mm-hmm. and I don't, I'm not searching for more. I feel satisfied 
and I'm drinking from that living water when I'm walking in obedience. So I lay my head on my pillow at night and I'm exhausted, so tired, but I know that I've spent my day saying yes to God. And um, that's just a really awesome place to be. Yeah. You know, just very fulfilling. Were those, um, because I, I know people listening might be thinking, how do you have time to run a blog, a nonprofit, and invest in res- refugees? And so you, you've said you've given up some things. I'm curious to know, what are some of those things that you've given up? How have you made the time to say yes? And were those really hard decisions to make? That's a really good question. Um, because I don't, I don't know if it's, there's not a formula, I don't think, um, for what works for me and what works for others. And I want whoever's listening today to understand that we are very imperfect and we make a lot of mistakes. So there's not um, ever a time where I feel like, oh yes, we've got this figured out. And if I do for a split second, then we have a meltdown on (laughs) seven in Walmart. You know, it's very real. And I write through my struggles. Um, So I'm a, I'm the kind of person I have to write. So even if I'm very busy, um, that's how I process. And that's really, God speaks to me through that avenue of writing. And so I'd make time for that. And it's always, you know, I keep slips of paper everywhere and um, I, I write always ahead of time. So I'm always writing and then it'll, it'll sit and stew for a while. And then it's, I'm a process writer. So that's something I, I have to do is just my personality, but we don't watch a lot of TV. It's just a practical, we have a TV. Um, we watched every minute of the Olympics, but (laughs) we (laughs) don't have our TV on a lot. So, um, that is a time sucker. And, um, it's something that I don't think there's anything wrong with watching television. Every once in a while, my husband's like, please watch a movie with me. I just want to veg out and you can't multitask. Um, so that has been something that just turning that off has freed up a lot of time that normally you just waste. Um, and we're pretty intentional with our time. We, um, we, I'm a very organized person. So I write a lot in one sitting and then I use maybe that for an entire week on my blog. And so um, one day for writing and um, I spend every Friday going to the refugees. Um, and this is a commitment that I felt like I, I write and I talk so much about getting my hands dirty. But I, for Mercy House, a lot of what I do is raise money and awareness. And so I'm not really with the women as much as I want to be. I only go to Kenya a few times a year. And so what working with the refugees has really, um, I feel like I'm getting my hands dirty every day. Mm-hmm. And I love that. I feel like we need that. So just having an, a real opportun- opportunity for service, I think, is important. Um, you know, we, a lot of our time together as a family, we clean the house together. We do the yard together. So some of our intentional time, because it serves such a great purpose. It's not just getting a chore done, but it's teaching our kids about working hard. And that's a, I'm a huge advocate of creating a work ethic in our kids because I think it's one of the great ways to counteract this you owe me mentality. Um, you know, having kids work with us. And so 
Um, so have you always had that mentality or did you make the transition after you came back from Africa? And if so, how did your kids flow with that transition? <laughs> well, we, we both, my husband and I both grew up in families where that was the mentality. Um, I mean, my husband would wake up the first day of summer and there would be a load of sand in his driveway and his dad would wake him up at 8 a.m. and say, by the time I get home from work, all the low spots in the yard have to be filled. Um, you know, we scooped poop in the backyard for our dogs every Saturday. We did, you know, I mean, we grew up in the culture where you didn't pay to have all your work done. Mm-hmm. So we grew up working hard. And um, we went into parenting with that mindset. But there were, I call them my wasted years, which really they weren't wasted because God uses everything. But there was a season in our life where we didn't do anything. I felt like, you know, we just were like, we have finally arrived, but we can pay to have all this done. We don't have to do all of this. Um, and so I think we got off track for a while there where it was just easier to let everyone else do our hard work for us. And um, and I'm not opposed to having people, you know, paying people to paint your house or whatever. I mean, I think the whole point is live with intention. Mm -hmm. If you, um, if you want to throw an enormous over the top birthday party for your child on their 10th or 13th birthday or whatever, do it. If that is something you planned for and that you feel like makes you happy and that's great. But I think where we get into as adults is when we're doing it because everyone else is doing it and we're comparing ourselves because, oh, well, my child isn't going to feel as loved or I feel guilty that I'm not, you know, when we're driven by guilt, then that's a whole nother story. But when we're making our plan and saying we're going to live our life and not let our life live us, then it just changes the way that we operate. So when we return, when I returned from Kenya, I think I, um, I saw my life moving in a direction I didn't like and my motivation and my goals were all about me and my family. And, and a lot of them were good, healthy goals, but it was so internally focused on our little family that it didn't feel healthy. It didn't feel, you know, right for us. It didn't feel like doing whatever God told us to do. And so Kenya definitely turned us upside down. Um, We had already made a lot of intentional, you know, family time and we limited screen time and we were on a track and making good decisions. But um, that was very redeeming for our family because I think it kind of took us by the shoulders and shook us a little bit and reminded us that we are not here on this world, on this earth to get by. And we are not here to build our own little happy home and kingdom. We are here for for a purpose. We are here to find Jesus and help other people find him. That is our goal on this earth. What are we doing um, to do that? Um, Years before I went to Kenya, we wrote a family mission statement and um, put it on our wall. And it was very lofty. And so we definitely had some desires to live with intention, but it is so easy in our culture to get sidetracked. You know, to yeah. when your neighbor starts digging that pool, 
the first thing you think is, wow, I need a pool too. It's just our human nature to want what other people have. And it's very easy to get sidetracked. And and I've spent years getting sidetracked and getting myself back on track. And I think that's just part of human nature. But going to Africa and experiencing what we did, um, and then taking, we took our family back the following, you know, like nine months later, it's definitely um, changed us and, and altered so much. And I have very normal, regular children. When I announced to them, and my husband and I had talked, it was probably maybe 18 months ago or maybe close to two years ago, I said to them, you know, I just want to have one day where we don't have any um, screen time in the whole, you know, no computer time, no TV, no, you know, nothing. One full day. And I didn't think, you know, I'm like, let's do Sunday because we're going to church on Sunday. And then afterwards we can just, if we want to take a nap or you want to read, let's just make Sunday our unplugged day. Well, just to put it bluntly, all hell broke loose. (laughs) I mean, all three of my children burst into tears. It's just like wailing and gnashing of teeth. Because we had already, we've limited screen time since they were very young, you know, whatever the time limit is, an hour a day or 30 minutes or whatever. It's changed as they've gotten older and had more school projects and things. But, you know, We've always limited it. So I didn't think it would be that big of a deal. Oh, my goodness. It was just so traumatic. And it's taken about 18 months. Yesterday's (laughs) unplugged day, there was no crying. No one asked. Everyone just expected, you know. So I think that it's the same in so many different ways with um, rerouting your course and changing direction. There is going to be some friction and there's going to be flack. And I think it's so important just to pick our battles. I'm a neat freak and I'm super organized and I like everything in its place. And having a teenage daughter who is not wired that way, um, you know, I just had to learn if I'm going to have a healthy, loving relationship with her, I just can't go in her room Monday through Friday (laughs) because it stresses me out. My heart starts pounding and I just want to grab trash bags and it ends up hurting our relationship because I'm so controlling <laughs> by nature. And so on the weekend, that's her time to, you know, I just ask every weekend that she, you know, picks up things up and so it doesn't get out of too out of control. And that's where we found our middle ground. And so I think with anything we do, we have to be flexible and we have to let our the people who live with us, our, our kids and, and our husband especially, you know, chart their own course and we can offer direction and correction. Um, but, you know, as our kids grow, we're not, we, our authority lessens and our influence greatens. And so it's a balancing act. You know, I could, I could extend my authority over my 14-year-old daughter and make sure that room is cleaned every day. But in the long run, I'm kind of hurting my influence because it's me asserting my will. And, and, and it could be, I mean, if a room is a battleground you want to stand on, then go ahead. It's not one I want to fight. And so I think when you decide we're going to shift this, there is going to be friction without a doubt. But when you're consistent 
And we tell our kids, I mean, dinner time is the most important time of the day for us. We don't let things interfere with it. We, I'm not a great cook, but I always cook dinner and um, we eat together. And that's our time right after dinner where we read scripture together or we go through a book together. We've read a lot of um, inspirational books as a family. And, um, you know, that's our our connection time, our time with attention. That's the most important time of my day. And so I have to let some of these other things, other things go. But during that time, I mean, we have explained to our kids, you know, we, we want you to be happy, but that is not our job. So there are going to be times during your day and your week and your month, you are going to be unhappy with us. That's just part of it. We're sorry, but our goal you know, you, the, our kids don't always see our big picture goals. They only see the immediate because, you know, that's their age and maturity and they don't have the wisdom to know that that one thing that they really want, um, you know, our reason for not giving it to them is so much bigger. You know, right. we went through this period where my kids wanted cell phones and it was, they wanted it because other kids had it. And if you ask them, why do you want this? Because so-and-so has one and they would tell us. And so, you know, that's never the right answer for us. Mm -hmm. If that's the answer, then okay, tell them congratulations. We're not going (laughs) to buy things because other people have them. Um, And now that my daughter's going to high school, she has, we call it a family phone. Anytime she leaves the house to stay after school or whatever, she takes our family phone. But, um, and, and as she gets older, that will probably change. You know, she'll probably get her own phone. But what they, my kids can't understand and see when they're young is how dangerous the internet is and how um, there are things out there that we're protecting them from that they can't see right now. Mm-hmm. And so my no may sound mean and it may make you unhappy temporarily, but really I'm protecting you and I'm providing for you in the future. And Again, that authority and influence changes where my kids will be ready for those um, more mature choices. And, you know, we're, I'm not saying they won't ever have their own iPhone at some point when they can pay for it. <laughs> um, but I think it's just important that we decide how we're going to live our lives and not let other people decide it for us right. because our culture will decide it for us. Um, it's just too easy to do what everyone else is doing mm-hmm. and to pick up on a cultural norm that really is not rooted in truth and go with it because everyone else is doing it. And um, so, you know, when you decide to start a nonprofit in Kenya, you're not doing what everyone else is doing. And it makes you feel different and sometimes weird and odd. And my kids have <laughs> confessed all of those things to us. <laughs> But at the end of the day, they understand the purpose mm-hmm. and they love being a part of it. Um, and it gives them a bigger vision it, for their it, life it and gives, a bigger worldview. Yes. yes. Mm-hmm. It's huge for them because they get it. And I mean, my, my daughter's always like, where do you think this piece of jewelry was made? I don't want to wear anything made by slaves. Mm. That's not the typical 14-year-old reaction to a necklace on sale at Target. You know, right. she thinks about it. At the same time, sometimes I feel bad (laughs) that I've exposed my kids to so much because it has widened their parameters. 
But at the end of the day, you know, I'm raising conscientious shoppers and um, and kids who get it. They understand mm-hmm. that they still ask for things. I mean, I'm not, we still have, I write a lot about entitlement because we struggle a lot with entitlement. But I think what in, when I see entitlement in my kids, this whole attitude of you owe me and I want more and I don't have to work for it and um, you got a pedicure, I get a pedicure, you know, all this, this mentality, what it does, it makes me sad because in so many ways I have, a, I've allowed it and I have um, modeled it. And um, when I start thinking about how entitled I am and the things that I feel like I am owed and, and I deserve, um, you know, my kids are reflecting that often in me. And so um, I think it's, it's wise to, it's a painful journey to look inside first. But, you know, I think that oftentimes our kids, when we see something they're struggling with, it's often something that we're struggling with too. Mm -hmm. And God uses our kids to point those things out in us, um, whether it's a temper or um, maybe being dishonest or who, who knows what whatever the the struggle is, it's often reflected in us. And so um, I think that uh, something that is so important for me to teach my kids is that, you know, doing what God has asked us to do, saying our yes, Mm -hmm. hasn't made us extraordinary in any way. Um, one of my favorite things that has ever happened in my life, um, when my, my youngest is seven, but I was two when I went, um, to Kenya the first time with compassion. So when I returned and we started Mercy House six months later, she doesn't know anything different. Mm -hmm. This is all she knows. Mm -hmm. And about two years ago, she had a little play date over and it was someone we were new friends with. And so she came into our home and she was, you know, giving her the tour. And it was so cute. Just as a five-year-old, I was eavesdropping and listening to her point out the bathroom and the toilet paper. And this is our pantry and it was cute. And so she got to the kitchen and she showed this little girl a picture of our girls in Africa. And we had our compassion kids on the side of our refrigerator. And it was just all these different colored faces. And so the little girl said, who are these people? And my daughter said, oh, these are the people that we help in Africa. What does your family do? Mm. And I just loved that because there was no um, pride there. Mm-hmm. There wasn't any um, any trace of this makes us special. What I heard was, we love Jesus. This is our yes how do you love Jesus? What are you doing? This is what our family does. And um, I love the way that that sounded and the way that that felt, because if I could give my kids anything, it would be that gift right there that um, obedience doesn't make us extraordinary. Right. And, <laughs> you know? and just that it was normal. It was normal. Yeah. I this love that. is normal. And um, this is what our yes looks like. And mm-hmm. um, I think that 
for her to expect, you know, what does your family has probably said yes to, what does that look like? Um, it was a gift. And I think that if I can raise my kids with that perspective, then I feel like, you know, I've been successful because loving God and loving others is our, our call. Right. And, and that looks different for every person, you mm-hmm. know. And, you know, just as I'm listening to you, I'm, it's just so encouraging and so inspiring. And, and yet I know that even in the midst of all of these thoughts and these ideas that there are still moms out there that are thinking, okay, so what exactly can I do? I, I don't know where any refugees are in my okay. town in Iowa. And so I want to encourage everyone to do two things. I want you to go to Kristen's site, wearethatfamily.com. And even more importantly, maybe go to mercyhousekenya.org and sign up for the newsletter because I think that the simplest and best step, regardless of the state of your family, whether they're on board or not, if you want a change in your heart and in your life is to start surrounding yourself with different perspectives, with mm-hmm. people who are taking action. I, I hear this or the phrase often that we are the sum of the five people that we spend the most time with. So spend time with people who are making a difference, even if that's online, even if your outer life looks no different, start changing your heart and your inner life and subscribe to the Mercy House Kenya newsletter so that it is on your radar that, oh yeah, it's not just about me and my family and my world, but there are people out there that I can help and that I can impact. And, you know, just that simple act of doing that simple thing every, you know, is it every month that you send it out? Yes. Every month you're going to get that reminder that you were wanting to change, that you were wanting to live intentionally, and you're going to be given practical ways to do that. So um, when can people get your book? And is there any other place online that you want to direct them to besides those two sites? Um, Yes. It's everywhere books are sold. Um, Dayspring, Lifeway, Walmart, um, Barnes & Noble. Um, And a portion of the proceeds of the book, go to mercy house to help continue that work. And, um, it's the really nitty gritty story behind the beginning and the end. What people see, it's the part of the, um, brokenness that will make you feel very regular, um, reading that. And, um, and that would be a, a huge, a huge blessing, um, to, to share that with, uh, with your listeners today. Fantastic. Kristen, thank you so much for joining us today. I really appreciate you taking the time and sharing your story. And I know that, um, that moms have been inspired and want to take the next step. So for everybody listening, be sure to head over to Kristen's sites, sign up for those email addresses and, and surround yourself with people that are taking action. Kristen, thanks for joining us today. Thank you so much. I enjoyed it. Well, that's all that we have for today's episode of the Inspired to Action podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to listen. I know that there are a million things that you could be doing right now, and I hope that this episode has encouraged you. You know, if you have any questions or suggestions for me, just head over to inspiredtoaction.com and click the contact button to send me an email. I would love to hear from you, and I would love to do whatever I can to get the resources that you need to keep growing as a mom. And if you enjoyed this podcast, it would be awesome if you take a minute to rate it on iTunes. That's going to help more moms to find it and get the encouragement that they need. 
And as always, you can check out all the show notes for this session at inspiredtoaction.com. And you can also download any of our free ebooks or our free prayer calendars for moms at the blog. Just go to inspiredtoaction.com and click on the resources link. And my name is Kat Lee, and I wish you an incredible day with your family. And remember, you're a mom. You're kind of a big deal. Now go be awesome. It's early in the morning, the house is quiet. But I've set aside this time for you. I bow before the throne of a noble My heart begins to sing It's gonna be a good day A good day filled with His grace His grace and sweet new mercy May my 